This is called entertainment. We'll treat it as entertainment, shall we? What? What should we treat as entertainment? That tree over there. The one with the sky behind it. Yeah, okay. Uh, has the entertainment started yet? Yes, it has. We've missed the beginning, haven't we? Yes, we have. Will we miss the end? Yes, we will. We have to make the most of the bits we get to see. Catch them in our thought nets. A quickly reversing car. The bright colours of the junk mail on the doormat. The smile of someone you like. The sun shining on the last orange in the fruit bowl. Barbecue smoke passing across the in-bloom passion flower. We are futuristic to those who are gone. Historic to those who are to come. They will wonder what it was like for us. We owe it to them to have a look at it all while we still have the chance. Hello, this is Patrick Widdis with you for another edition of Poetry Non-Stop. And that was my guest today, Rob Orton. Rob's surreal, witty and often profound poems can be heard on his daily podcast, accurately titled The Rob Orton Daily Podcast. His annual Edinburgh Fringe shows on subjects such as hair, water and a colour yellow have become a staple in the itinerary of a growing number of festival goers, while national tours, radio and TV appearances have made him a favourite in both poetry and comedy circles. I caught up with him during a visit to Norwich to perform at the monthly poetry night at the Arts Centre, Toast, and I asked him, what first attracted him to poetry? Just having ideas and not really knowing whether to draw them or write them, really. And then I just started uh, having putting things into uh, sentences and then trying to make them as sh- short as possible for every word to mean something. Um, so it was it was art really that I got in, was I liked first drawing and painting, not really writing, and then, uh, but at school, was never, I loved English and reading and uh, uh, everything like that, but as far as poetry went, it wasn't really until I saw Ivor Cutler, really, on the BBC, that made me think, oh, it's, it's maybe not as, not what I thought it was, and uh, I think it just, it's, it, well, I, I don't really, I, I think it's just, art what he does and uh, with um, I love people like Martin Creed as well and mm. I love what he does with words and I, I um, that's I definitely uh, like the fun element in that and I don't like the um, when it starts getting taken too ser- well you take it seriously as like but when it becomes uh, like a business, the business end of it. I'm not interested. I, I, I don't want to. I, I want to. I want to um, play with words and look at the world and try and think about it and think about it through words and that's it really. So when people try and say what it is and what it isn't, I, I think that's it. It's like with poetry. I think I've said it before, but I, I, I love things that are poetic. Like a, like a flipping chair or a plant that's come back to life or something like that. I love the poetry and things. I don't like 
a lot of the time when I sit down to read poetry, it doesn't make me feel anything. I just, I, I look, I love, but you know, when it does make you feel something, I think, and you have that private moment on your own, and that's why I love, I love um, art, painting, going to galleries, and because no one can really tell you what it's meant to mean, and it's just a very personal thing, isn't it? And I think that's the same with the, um, whenever you pick up a poetry book. I read some Shakespeare or something, then no one can say, well, maybe they can, maybe they can say, oh, it means this. But, you know, with like some of the paintings and things like that, people can't really tell you what it means. It's just about the experience you have from it, isn't it? Yes, yes. And um, with a lot of your writing, including the piece we've just heard, you seem to have a real fascination with the mundane and the everyday and seeing poetry in that yeah definitely yeah I do I, love, I think it's because like we've just got some new succulents in the bathroom we live opposite Lidl and uh, they were like £1.79 for a succulent and I was looking at these living things and they're just so perfect like stars and looking down at them and they're so symmetrical and you just look at them and I, I kind of was freaking out about it. I was like, what What are these things? They just look like... I know that they're plants and I know what scientists say they are, but it's just... It's, it's, and then you look at other stuff that's living as well and you just go like... So it is mundane, but I don't know, sometimes I just kind of... It's almost like vertigo when you look at stuff and you're like... We just it. take a lot of these things for granted. Well, exactly, yeah. And it's so when I, um, it's just trying to, you know, it's not like I'm buzzing off it. It's just I just I just want to try and keep it new to myself. Like when I when I was first born and the first time I ever saw an apple or something or tasted ribena or something like that, or, and just um, trying to stay excited about it and not get too bored by everything. It's hard though, isn't it? Just to just to be like, oh wow, amazing, and you know, and I think that, that's why I want to. That's why I like writing because it feels like a space where, if I look at that, if I look at that, and I have a moment with a succulent, I want to. I don't know. I feel like it felt it felt poetic to me what that succulent was making me feel and how it was making me feel, and. I don't know if that's what poetry is, but I think it is that it's trying to capture those moments that wash over you and you go, oh, oh. or, you know, or it's not always positive like that. It can be something horrific that's happened or, and it's just trying to distill it down into, and it, I think it's just about trying to do it justice. Like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to write something about those succulents and try and do them justice because none of it, none of, I don't think any art ever gets close to, like, Nature, you know, like mm. I, I saw um, the documentary about George Harrison, and he was, I think it was, he, Olivia Harrison was saying that she was sitting with George Harrison and they were watching the sunset, and he was like, That's what I want to do, I want to do that, you know. And uh, so nothing can get close to any of that, can it? And I was coming here on the train, and the sky was amazing, it was just so, it was orange for ages and then it was the purple kind of came down on it and I was like whoa and um, and it, you know it's so fleeting to, for us to be able to get to sit here and uh, be in the same boat you know yes and just go wow but you can't and, and, and you, 
it's better for me to try and think about it and write it down and try and get it to how I want it to be. And I can't always do it. And what I find so difficult is that I just wish I could write good stuff all the time that I like, but I can't. It's impossible, isn't it? It's like I've I've, I've got some stuff and that I like, and but it's it 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 doesn't happen very often. I guess it's like um, songs that people write that they like, and maybe some people connect with them. And not that I've got anything that's anywhere near as that, but sometimes when I do gigs, the audience is. Some people in the audience like particular ones and it's like a running theme and you're like, oh yeah, okay, that, w- that one works. Why does that work and this one doesn't? It came from exactly the same place of inspiration. So uh, what's your writing process? Are you writing every day? Do you have uh, any... Well, at the, at the moment I am because I've just started doing a daily podcast thing which is just a poem a day and we're working with a producer on it so we'll put some music behind it and make it into like soundscapes or whatever. So I need to write a lot of new stuff, which is great because I only really work when I've got a deadline or a project or something like that. I work around and have moments of inspiration and then it, it, that's, that's when all the best stuff for me happens is that when you, you don't, yeah, it's been said a million times, but when you don't try and then you're just like, oh, that's it, and it doesn't take very long, and then and then instead of labouring over it for ages, but I, I, th- I yeah, I mean, I have, I'd like to think I have ideas a lot, quite quite a bit, not, and I, it's, it's, what I'm finding is that um, I've got, I think I've got quite a good work ethic, but I need to work harder to make my work better and just well, practice, practice more yeah. totally and just just you know I was listening to Desert Island Discs with um, one of the guys from The Wire who's in the West End at the moment and um, he was saying when in doubt turn to the work and when in more when in further doubt really go into it you know because it, it, it is it's like a stability thing for me as well of um, I've got this thing that I love doing and uh it can, you know, world's kind of a bit of a scary place a lot of the time, and it's like a, it feels like a bit of a safe space really. Because when I first started writing, people get in touch with me. Um, you know, I put some stuff up on a poem sharing website, and someone's like, "This isn't poetry. What are you doing?" And then I, you know, people who were at gigs would like it sometimes, and sometimes people didn't like it, and it was about fifty-fifty really. So that just kind of freed me up to want yeah. to um, do it doesn't really matter it does matter what people think but you know it's their opinion there's loads of stuff that I don't like but I'm not going to go to someone and say I don't like what you do um, just leave them to it because if it if it helps them get through life then you know I don't I don't see why anyone should well, when it comes to creativity you know but yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, you mentioned your podcast, which is going out now, and mm. um, really enjoying it. Um, I think the great thing about it is not only is it every day, but it's very short, so you can always uh, find time to listen to it. Yeah, all right, thank you. Well, thing is with that is that it's making me listen back to a lot of my, my stuff that I've written, and it makes me listen to it and think, oh, this work that. That's why that works, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking, figuring out what, what works better and what doesn't work so much. Yeah, I've kind of noticed it sounds like you've um, rewritten or extended some old material. Oh, 100%, yeah. yeah. I think with this, it's 
there's if I'm going to do it for the full year, I'm just going to throw everything I've got at it really. Yeah. And when I started it, I was like, well, I'm going to there's going to be some I'm going to put some of some of my favourite stuff I've written has been quite recently, but I've written stuff. So I started doing it like 2007. So over the course of those years, there's some that uh, that I that I wrote and. I still like them and um, so I thought if I'm going to showcase my work in a podcast I just want to put a lot of good stuff up top really yeah yeah a lot of people will know you from your shows which you've uh, taken to Edinburgh and toured Uh, how do you get how did you get started with those well I was doing a poetry night called Bang Said the Gun in London and a guy there, Mark Burroughs, would come to the night and he said, oh, do you want, we're going to do a thing on the Free Fringe in Edinburgh. Do you want to come and do that? It was called The Big Comedy Breakfast in 2009. And I really didn't know what the Edinburgh Fringe was, but I just stopped working in advertising and I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. Advertising was so close to being like my perfect job, but it was a business and it's not a place for someone who just wants to do what they want to do. Uh, it's a bit more like problem solving, I found. But yeah, so I went up to Edinburgh, did a show on the grass market, 15 minutes, four of us doing, no, four of us, three doing a set, one compare. And then I saw people doing uh, one man shows. And then uh, Richard Tyrone Jones, <clears throat> do you know Richard? Yeah. Who used to run the night Utter. He said, Would I be, I think this is what happened. I think he said, Would you, would you be interested in doing a show on the free fringe and the spoken word bit and then I said yes and then that was in 2012 and then I I thought oh well you know I could go up and I could just do all my favourite bits that I've been doing or I could test myself and see if I could write a show on a specific theme and just go off on one about something so I did it about the colour yellow because I'd just written some stuff about the colour yellow because I got a new yellow coat and um then I did a show about a colour yellow and uh, went up there and was on the free fringe in the Banshee Labyrinth. And, I mean, I remember the first Saturday was... Because it was quite a small room and I'd been flying quite hard that day. And on the Saturday in the free fringe in that room, a lot of it's full anyway. Mm-hmm. You can fill it at, at, at the weekends. And um, when you, even if you're just starting, like people just, people just wander in. And uh, so I did it, and it it went all right, and there was a lot of my friends there. It was really up and down that month, but I worked really hard at getting people into the gig, and then some people enjoyed it, um, and then I enjoyed it enough to make me go back the next year, and then I did a show about the sky the next year, and then I did one about faces, then water, then sleeping, then hair, then talking, then time, and then... I'm doing my ninth one this year, which is about crowds. So it's just, and then touring comes from the fact that I was up there in 2014, and I, I thought if I want to get into these art centres and stuff, I needed someone to kind of fly my flag and knock on these art centres doors because if I was just to send them emails, there was no le- legitimacy to it. So yeah. they would vouch for me, and then I started doing a, I think my first tour of the Water Show when I was going around the country doing it and yeah I was doing yeah I mean it's it's that was in 2000 and uh, 
15, I think. And uh, it was, yeah, really hard. Travelling to these places, yeah. no one been there. Some some places, like I did all right in the bigger cities, but there's a lot of art centres mm. in um, in uh, places where people won't often go unless they know the person who's on, which is completely understandable. Why would you go and take a punt and pay like... Because it's not free anymore. It's not yeah. it's not free like on the free fringe where you can just go in and um, if you don't like it, you can walk out, but obviously you can walk out. But if it's like 12, 15 quid and it's Tuesday night in God knows where, then and it, it, you've got to get a babysitter and stuff like that. Of course you're going to go and see someone who you've seen off the telly. But, so I just did it and kept doing it and kept doing it, and the people who liked it came back. So this tour I'm doing, there's a couple where it, we've been filling it, which is great, but you never know. I don't know. I don't know. It's like, will people come? Who knows? That's it. Because I've been doing it relentlessly now for... Quite yeah, well, I mean, even just Edinburgh it, uh, seems to burn a lot of people out. What keeps you going? I remember I was watching a thing with Pete Townsend from the Who, and um, someone was saying to him, "Do you get on? Do you get nervous before you get on stage?" And he was saying, "No, I will only ever get nervous when I'm going to meet my maker." I think it's something like that. And I, I always just thought, "I'm just going to, I'm going to die." So you got to, I've got to try my best while I'm. Um, still here so the thought of death inspires me to want to make the try and make the most of everything try and make the most of doing you know we're doing the show tonight we'll try and do it and just have a good give it everything and uh, to but what inspires me to want to I just want to try and figure stuff out for myself and like I'm doing a new show about crowds and I want to try and think about people in a room and it makes me feel things and I was I did a preview the other day and I was walking to the venue and I saw people walking away from the venue. I was like, they're not going to be part of the crowd today. And then it's just and then the closer to the venue I got, I saw some people were going in the door. I was like, oh, they're probably going to be part of it. And I don't know. It just made me think about it in a different way. And um, it, it and I've been trying to look at. I just try to I try to think about things that change my perception. Um, and kind of shaped me by the shoulders a bit and, and uh, like just trying to look at people like you know there's people everywhere but I try to look at them I've started looking at them now and thinking something that helps me is that if I think about whether they've got brothers and sisters or not everyone and suddenly they become a, a lot more human to me yeah and um, you're like and it, 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 I don't know it, it puts a warmth from me towards them and I'm like oh yeah you know they've maybe got brothers and sisters and They've probably gone through a lot, and we all go through a lot, and um, that's it. And I, I think doing work, like writing stuff and performing, makes me feel things that I like feeling. Really, that so that that pushes me to want to keep creating stuff. And uh, yeah, I seem to rem- remember you saying when you were doing the hair show, and you had your hair even longer than it is now, and that yeah, yeah. changed how people saw you. And- yeah. No, it's um, yeah, it, it did. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I mean, I try and look, try and find the best in people and everything like that. But I know that we're all only human. But um, yeah, when I had the long hair and beard and things like that, it was. Um, I just didn't shave for. I think it was. It was. It was. I think it was about eighteen months by the end of it. So I didn't touch it. Didn't cut my hair or and so it went proper wild man really and. Uh, 
Yeah, people look at you, and the um, security guards in the supermarkets are a bit more uh, attentive, and people don't want to sit next to you on the tube and things like that. A lot of it's probably in my head, but you know, it's real. Once it's in your head, it's yeah, it's there. And uh, do you have a, a list of topics you're working through for the shows, or do, well, do things come to this, you? No, this is my ninth. This is my ninth one, and then I might do one more. And it'll be ten, and then I might move on to do something else. I'd, I'd like to. I'd love to try and write a um, one-man play or something, or just something really different that um, makes me excited. And because uh, I can't keep doing these theme shows every time, and I feel yeah. like the last two that I've done, I've really enjoyed doing them and uh, when I was do- first started doing them and I was telling them about like the water show and the sleep show and the hair show was they were either go well or they go badly there wasn't really much in between whereas these ones the talk show and the time show has been a bit more it's been a bit less turbulent really so I, I feel proud of myself for oh no because then, that's the problem it's like I don't feel proud of myself it's, I feel like you don't, I don't want it to be smooth running. I feel like when the shows were really bad, when they went really well, that, that would make it then make them even more special. Whereas, I don't know. Um, I think I think I just want to just try and keep getting better, try and improve because I just want to I want to get the because it's such a like privilege to get to perform like try and keep myself like healthy try and keep doing it I mean I'm tr- doing this tour going on tour with this time show we've got there's a lot of dates and I just think like oh god what what it, what if I like I don't know pull a hamstring or something and can't walk and but yeah it's, it's a risk isn't it I like risks yeah where it seems to be going well so far yeah <laughs> so um I guess at this point we should uh, talk about your writing exercise, which is uh, interesting. Again, you know, encouraging people to look at things that they maybe wouldn't usually yeah, consider yeah, yeah, looking yeah, yeah, for yeah, poetry. Yeah. Um, well, one writing exercise that I went through a stage of doing was shutting my eyes, going through the Argos catalogue and putting my finger on something and then opening my eyes and then writing a piece about whatever that was. I haven't got any of them with me. But it was it was helpful for a bit, and you did it, didn't you? Um, yes, um, I'll read mine in just a minute. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what what do you do if you just get something like a packet of batteries or? or well, that's it. You write a poem about it, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I think I'll write something about it. Like start thinking about batteries. It's a good, I think it's a good thing to think about. I, you know, I love the. Um, I've got a thing in the trying to write something at the moment about like imagining that trees are from like gadget shops and they've got batteries in them and they've been turned on and that's why they're moving and that's the only way that they they wouldn't move if they didn't have the batteries in them and um, I just look yeah I like that and you know looking at plants and not having batteries and like oh we I was at the uh, we went to Time Mouth at Christmas and um, saw a remote control car and it was the fastest remote control car I've ever seen. And that feeling of being at home when I was little, putting the batteries back onto charge 
and I remember like the red LEDs in the battery charger, like you, there was a, you, like a, it was almost like a, it was like a battery pack really, and um, yeah, and then they go green. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, I had to go at this and um, wasn't sure what to write at first. I ended up writing a riddle about the uh, thing I chose, which isn't a form I usually write in. So thanks for. Um, inspiring me to try a new form, which is always a great thing when yeah. these exercises, when that happens. Um, so uh, I'll tell you what it is at the end, um, but I'll say now that the catalogue number was uh, 707-2402, which is a bit of a giveaway <laughs> if you know your Argos catalogue numbers. <laughs> I work on locks that have no key and strands that hold no sand or sea. I hum but have no melody, with dragon's roar or summer breeze. I blow with force yet cannot breathe, shake forests dense with branchless trees. So come on, feel the power in me, for I'm no washout guaranteed. Wow, that was great. Don't know what it is, though. <laughs> uh, it kind of relates to one of your shows. Really? Hmm. Was it a hairdryer? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's uh, something I definitely uh, encourage trying. Um, it would be great, actually, if enough people did it, you ended up with a, a poem for every item in the Argos. Catalog. Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> the thing is, I don't, know if they, I don't know if they do the paper catalogues anymore. You've just got to have them. One good thing that's on the internet at the moment is that, um, there's, a, uh, there's an archive of all the Argos catalogues. You can wow. flick through the pages. So that, the memories that came back to me when I was looking through like the back of the Argos catalogue from like 1992, amazing. Because it, I remember the uh, the images of like going, oh yeah, I want that, I'd love that, can I have that for Christmas? You know, and like <laughs> the turtles figurines and yeah, Sabutio and then like all the, all the old footballs, football, like the mighty Delta footballs and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Argos was the first place I worked, actually. Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So you must have a lot... Of, did you have a lot of catalogues or not? Um, I guess we did. I was working up in the stock room. So oh, were you? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was, was that a big stock room, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I, I probably did know the numbers for some of the items if I was <laughs> picking them up regularly. Yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah. Um, well, uh, have you got another poem we could finish with? Yes. Well, I wrote this ages ago, actually, but let's see. It's called Paperball. This is my paperball. Once upon a time, I dropped it onto the pavement. It created a crater, a metre wide and deep. When this happened, I climbed into the crater, held my paperball up to the passing pedestrians, exhibited it like a found, lost golf ball. They ignored it. I threw this paper ball up to the night sky. It stuck to the black like chewing gum when thrown really hard at a chalkboard that's on the ceiling. It turned the constellations on their heads. Day broke and the ball fell back into my hand. It weighs about the same as a bag of flowers. It is my full stop. That was Rob Orton. If you enjoyed that, you can get a daily dose of his writing via the Rob Orton Daily Podcast. 
Check the blog for a link to his website where you can get the podcast and details of shows and everything else he's up to. Have a flick through the catalogue at your local Argos store and write a poem inspired by the product your finger lands on. Do send them to me and maybe together we can make an Argos catalogue of poetry. You can find details for that and everything else at poetrynonstop.com. I'll be back soon. Until then, thanks for listening and keep writing.